want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. Suck in the guts, guys. We're the Ghostbusters. I am the one who knocks. My dark passenger. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Don't call me Junior. I certainly hope this little incident hasn't put you off flying, miss. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Hi everyone, welcome to Talkin' Geek, episode 7. We're back. We're back, bitches! <laughs> so hopefully everyone liked the... Like the last episode, talking all about Quentin Tarantino. And I liked it. It was a fun one. It was. It was fun. It. It would be easy to fall into the trap of just of you and I just recording episodes, r- ranking our favorite things or least favorite know, things or our favorite director. Because it, it is. It's it, fun to argue a little bit. I mean, not argue, but have have respectful different different opinions and it is share fun. those things. Although, what I think I want to do if we do another episode of. Which we well we will, but I don't know when. But when when we do, do another episode of ranking, whatever of directors' movies or favorite whatever, um, mm-hmm. is I sort of just want to talk in order. Like let's say we talk about Spielberg's, or not in order, but I want to. You don't want to go back and forth. Like here's my five. Here's your five. Yeah, I just want to talk about like. Um, here's a movie. What number did you rank? Well, it like that? yeah, like what number? I would just yeah. want to be like, let's talk about Spielberg's movies. Let's start at. You know, um, you know, let's talk about Close Encounters and just move on. Like, what are your thoughts on those Close Encounters? Yeah. Do you like it? Do you not? I think there's any not, any number of ways that you could format those Because I could, shows. you know... And I've heard other podcasters do it similarly well, and differently, too. And so. just thinking about it, if I went back and ranked my Tarantino movies, they probably would even be different than what I just said on the episode. Just yeah, so, it's, it's a but my point th- in time. But my thought, Yeah, the rankings are a point in time, but my thoughts on them... Mm-hmm are less wavering. I mean, those could waver over time, too, but... Yeah. We just had an interesting discussion, short discussion yesterday, about um, Aquaman, the DC movie, and Spider-Man Far From Home. Well, yeah, super short. Um, Because you watched Aquaman for the first time, and... I did. It it just never interested me. The trailers didn't look all that great to me. We'll save save Aquaman talk, because maybe we'll talk about that on a... On a future episode, yeah. Future episode on its own, or maybe ranking DC movies or something. So today... We want to talk, uh, we want to get a little bit more niche um, talking about comic books, because comic books inherently always have a smaller, they have a smaller audience than movies do anyways. I, yeah. you know, and, uh, and um, this particular comic is even smaller of a niche because it's an independent comic. No, well... well I guess it's not independent. It's not a Marvel or a DC. In a minute while you're talking, I can name. look up some sales numbers um, on it, but... So, like, a, a movie would generally, you know, get seen by, a, you know, maybe a few million people. Mm-hmm. Comics, like, a high-selling comic um, these days sells in maybe... In print. In print. Because we don't sells, know digital numbers. But, well, I think they just include those in some of those things. I, those, you know, a high-selling comic will sell anywhere between 70000 to to 100000 and that's um, selling well. An mm-hmm. average comic is... Yeah, and there are comics that I see on Marvel that are, you know, let's say, like, your Daredevil comic that is routinely used and or not routinely used but he's a known character he's had movies and those comics sell less than twenty thousand. yeah so why don't you talk a little bit and describe the comic that we're gonna be talking about today so we are going to be talking about saga it is up to issue 54 and that's a lot of content so we're not going to be rehashing the history of saga from start to finish um, but for those of you who don't know i guess i'll start off with a warning we are going to spoil the hell out of this comic because, <laughs> honest to God, we love it. It's like a space opera. It It's hard to, to really explain, but I would say if you um, like Star Wars, if you like um, romance, if you like death and killing, and it's not super gory, don't get me wrong, if you like stories of family and heart and parenting and just space odyssey space opera all of those things i think it would have this this comic would appeal to you yes definitely i and i guess the the crux of it if you haven't if you're listening to this and you haven't read the comic go read the comic because we're going to spoil the hell out of it and you probably won't understand what we're talking about but hopefully it intrigues you to want to go read this comic and if you've read the comic then i'm rehashing something you don't need to know but okay so this is Real quick, this is getting into the nitty gritty, and so um, sorry for listeners who don't who this is even too much detail for them. But so 
um, like Saga, this is quickly I brought this up. Um, the issues 33, 34, 30, like 33, basically 33 through 42, they all sold about 45,000. So kind of like but right in the in comic book land, it's considered to be a, a popular comic. Yeah, right in the middle. Plus, the, so Saga gets. Well, I um, talk some more. Why don't you look up Walking Dead numbers for comparison? Because that comic is supposed to be huge. Oh, that's right here. Yeah. So let's let's compare that to. The well, Walking Dead, Dead numbers would be sixty-five thousand. Okay, twenty <laughs> twenty thousand more, and it's you know okay that that puts it into perspective. Now, some people like us don't buy individual issues. They wait until a hardcover or. Um, a trade paperback comes out and, you know, read the collected volumes, and those numbers are not included here either, so the readership is actually, I'm sure, much higher than that. And then, of course, piracy in comics is a big thing, too. Mm-hmm. We could have a whole discussion about piracy in comics, so I don't want to go down that road. Back to the synopsis. Essentially, it's um, it's a Romeo and Juliet story. A man and a woman who are star-crossed lovers who should not be together, um, because they're on opposite sides of a civil war, end up together and having a child. And they get separated at different times, and it's essentially the story of how that, that child gets raised throughout a war-torn universe. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned it was written by Brian K. Vaughn. I didn't mention that, actually. Okay, yet, so it's so. written by Brian K. Vaughn, who is a pretty prolific writer, but this is the first thing first and only thing of his that i've actually really um read i read why the last man exactly. which i i really really liked why the last yeah. man yeah why the last I man highly, was... re- highly recommend it and that's a closed series it's done it's like it's like 60 yeah. issues that was by and i read that over the course of like i don't know maybe two weeks i i pounded through that i, I like every at the end of every trade paperback or story arc i just had to pick up and read the next one i remember staying up late into the night just pounding through yeah that was coming issues. out what like early 2000s you got into it after it was all over yeah, um yeah. but it was i bought the first trade and then was like oh I and so i think that's really where i was really starting to hear brian k vaughn's name brian k vaughn's name was for um why the last man which was put out by dc comics their imprint um their vertigo imprint um, the same imprint that Sandman and, and other things. Yeah, it was published from 2002 to 2008. And I oh, think, okay. So and I think I picked it up around 2010. A little bit later than I thought. I I, I thought it started maybe, um So it started a little bit later. So this series was written by Brian K. Vaughn. And I had been hearing... So I'll talk a little bit about my history for a second. I had... Um, the, the, the title started in 2011, I believe. And I got into the... I got into it in 2012... And not too long after I had got going, but I had at that point like this this comic got critical praise, like super high oh, critical yeah. praise. It, it's been nominated Immediate. and won tons of Eisner awards. But like immediately. And... Like most comics like take a little while to get going or like to get noticed. You know, Walking Dead wasn't Walking Dead from issue number one. I mean, in terms of its notoriety. Yeah. I feel like Saga was like very soon like prior to the first so the first trade would have been issues one through six. I feel like within those first couple, like it just hit immediately because I was hearing about it. Oh yeah, yeah. And so then I got into it um, after I, I got into it around issue um, eight or nine, I believe, because the second trade wasn't finished, and so I got into it early on, and I was hooked. It was, and so the way that the way that this comic is published is interesting because. They it publishes the single issues and then they collect it like you mentioned. Yep, it's but, published by Image Comics, by oh, the way. That's, yeah, that's their publisher. Um, and they oh, and we didn't mention so it's written by Brian K. Vaughan and drawn by Fiona Staples. And this is the only work that I know by her, but she's awesome. Her art's amazing. It's, it takes it's it, amazing. You said it took a little while to get used to. It, it did for me, but her her facial expressions, which are a very important part of the story. They seem so real. Like her, her characters seem alive to me. Like they're talking to me in some cases. Like so, I can, I can feel their emotions on the page. So the awesome thing about Fiona Staples is that she does all of the art. Usually in comic books, the um the way that it goes is you'll have somebody a penciler. They call them a penciler, and they write they or they will draw the comic with a pencil. You can think about just a number two. I mean, I'm sure they, they don't use a number two, but maybe um, they do. And nowadays, a lot of it's digital, but. There's what usually the traditional way that there's a penciler who draws the primary image that you see just in black and white lines with a pencil. And then you have an inker 
who sort of just go, if if any of you are familiar with chasing Amy, they're just they're basically our chasers. They'll go <laughs> over and make. I mean, that's that's super simplified. But yeah, if you've ever seen actual inked pages after they've been drawn, the lines don't all match. But up. they, they go, change things. But they yeah, but they go over. They so they they primarily will they go over. They add in shadow. They add, they add shadows. Add um and they and then you have a colorist who then takes that image that's still black and white at this point and puts color in. And then you have letterers who go in and all the... They the, add the speech the, bubbles. Yeah, the balloons that you... Like, the, the speech balloons, the speech um, that... Or, or any of the um, added text after that. Mm-hmm. They'll go in and add that. But Fiona Staples does everything. She is the artist. She does the coloring, the ink, like, inking. The, um, she, she puts in the thought bubbles. We'll talk about um, Hazel, the daughter. A lot of her... Um, na- she narrates... Um, a lot of the comics or a lot of like um, her her it's, voice pops it's in first person perspective first person perspective and the interesting thing is Fiona Staples I was reading on Wikipedia earlier today um, I guess voiceover she those are written in her actual handwriting um, versus usually like lettering is done with um, like, a like, font. like a font like a typed font or whatever but Hazel's um, is is the um is the first person voice her, and what's her narration and what's interesting so i guess we can start diving into it and since i'm talking about hazel i want to mention this the comic is interesting because right from issue one you learn like um you see it like page one you see a birth um hazel's being born but what's like the narration is Hazel at some later point in her life where she's old yeah. enough to she's, talk. She's, she's telling you a story. She's telling basically. you a story about her parents, and so that was. And she she knows all things, so she knows stories that happened while she wasn't there. Obviously, since she's telling the story of her own birth, so, so it's interesting. So I talked a little bit about. Well, I think we're getting ahead. I, I was just excited because well, I was talking about Hazel's lettering, so I was like, well, let's talk about Hazel. But actually, I think I think that's still jumping the gun. So I was talking a little bit about my history, how I got into it. I heard the. Um, I just heard the buzz right away. I keep my ear to the ground with comic news, and, and I heard the buzz, so I got into it after the first trade, but before the second was finished, and then I got hooked. And this comic publishes um, in an interesting fashion. They'll put out um, monthly a trade's worth of um, uh, trade paperbacks worth of comics, like six issues. Then they'll take a hiatus for anywhere between like two and six months, and then they'll start the next arc. And so you'll have a decent amount of time between arcs. Um, so this comic has had 54 issues, but if you go monthly, 50, how many years is that? Like 54, that's, um, four and a half, four and a half years, right? Mm-hmm. But the comic has been going since 2011 and they're only up to issue 54 because they take these hiatuses. So that was just my history. I got into it fairly early. I want to talk a little about your history because you only recently got into it. Yeah. So I can be one of those people that when something is really, really popular, I purposely avoid it. So when Saga came out and when you started reading, I had heard about it and it won pretty much every award it could be nominated for under the sun in its first year. I'm, I'm looking at it on Wikipedia right now. It's, it won a bunch of Eisner Awards, a bunch of Harvey Awards, which are you know the prestigious, the awards that you win in comics. And I had heard about it too from, from podcasts and review pages and all that. But when I looked at the art, I was like, what is this? There's this guy with horns. He's like the main character. He's he's yeah. We'll 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 get into the character. He's got horns, and I was like, "What is this?" And there's this chick with wings, and these aliens, and I was just like, "This does not look like something I would enjoy." It just seems crazy and off the wall. And you started reading it, and every now and then you'd be like, "Look at this page!" And usually, what you'd be showing me is a sex scene because there's some pretty graphic. Yeah, scenes this this comic in is this interesting. Comic. It, it doesn't hold anything back. It's it's got a lot of action, but it also can titillate at certain points. It's got uh, <laughs> you know they'll show. Uh, Marco and Elena, Hazel's parents that you were just mentioning. Um, mm-hmm. We'll talk about the characters, but they'll show that like they'll have uh, graphic sex sometimes. Oh, yeah. and, and, other and not char- just them, too. Other characters will have graphic sex. There's prostitution. Dragons and, you know. giving themselves blowjobs. <laughs> That's right. So keep, keep so, going. So I guess for me, I was like, it's probably just hype. I looked at the art. I thought, eh, it's, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it would be that great. You were actually singing its praises, but I was like, I'm just going to continue reading my comics and whatever. Flash forward to, oh, maybe about a year and a half ago, um, I have Marvel Ultimate, the like the subscription-based service, so you can read every Marvel comic that you could possibly want under the sun. There's thousands of comics on, on that subscription, and 
I was, you know, paging around through looking for something to read one day and started reading the current run of Star Wars. I loved it and I really got into it. I've read everything that's available so far to date for for Star Wars on on Marvel Ultimate. I started reading a lot of the side the side stuff with Doctor Aphra and a lot of the other you know tie-ins, and I realized I actually really really like this kind of content. I like the unique, diverse characters. I like the crazy aliens. That all sounds cool. And then that made me realize I would probably like Saga. Why am I being an idiot and just saying, well, you know, it's it's popular, so it's probably just um, overblown fluff. So I decided to read read it, and um, I read all 54 issues, again, over the course of all about two weeks. I remember we... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is only... Like, this is super recent for you. Like, I'm yeah, we, I'm talking about issues in, that I in haven't... In the month of July, pretty much. Like, I'm so. talking about storylines and issues. In a moment, we'll talk about, like, we'll dive into some stuff that I read, that I, that I haven't read since 2012. Yeah. You are just, like, a yeah. month and a half ago. <laughs> so, so it's September now, and I started reading this in the month of July, and I pounded through a lot of it while we were... were we took a little, you know, trip together, and... While we were on the plane or while we were in our hotel room, I read a lot of this. And I'm not surprised that you liked it. Like, I always knew you would. If And I was never quite sure why... Sometimes spouses know their I was never quite sure why you themselves. wouldn't um, give it a chance. I think part of it is because, like, if I hype something... it will if, if Yeah, well, exactly. If, if I hype things up too much or if you think there's just too much hype in general, then... Um, then you sort of just well, I don't shy want to away. be disappointed in some cases, but, or I'm just like it's it's but hype for hype's sake. I don't like hype for hype's sake, and that's kind of what I thought was happening. But here. what's what's interesting is I dove in really. Sort I mean I knew that there was critical praise, but when I dove in, um, I really was taking a chance. You know, as much as quote unquote taking a chance is trying a new comic, but I had uh, never read anything Brian K. Vaughn, and you had already. Under but I your, liked Why the Last Man exactly. Yeah. Like you had. The entire series of Why the Last Man that you that you loved and that I did give a try recently, like within the last couple of years, I did give yeah, Why we the Last the first, Man. We, we have the trade. I read the first trade and it, and, access, and it so. just I still wasn't sold on it, so I haven't. Um, I'm not going to continue on with Why the Last Man, but you loved Why the Last Man, and so I I, I for years. I mean, it's been uh, don't get it's me been, wrong. Why the Last Man has some problems, but but it's been I over seven like years, uh, and uh, um. Since you were going to try it, and I was, and I always, and all that time, I knew that this was a comic that you would that you would love, and especially when it's a writer that wrote a series that you really, really like. And so, on a quick side note, the thing that gets me about why the Last Man is, I, I do kind of like you with Saga. I got over it. I've grown to really like the art. See, now. and I read the first trade. I don't want to derail us too long, but with why the Last Man, but I wasn't crazy about the story, and I never liked the art. I read, you know, I gave the first. Um, I think the first trade paperback of that is five issues of Why the Last Man, so I gave issues one through five mm-hmm. a try, and I just wasn't sold on it. Um, so, but getting back to Saga. Um, oh, and, and Brian K. Vaughn also writes Paper Girls. Some of you might have heard that as well, and that's that's one that I'm intending to read. I haven't picked it up yet, but... Um, and that, that series just ended, so... It ended? I thought it was still going. No, it's done, so I'm looking forward to that too so I, I fully intend on reading that as well so what maybe are, i can convince you to read it with me so where do we want to go with because we don't want to summarize every like all the stories or um where do you want to go oh we have some ideas here so i kind of what i what i'd put together was thinking um, well you have an agenda but i didn't know if you wanted to just dive in because you had a you know who's your favorite character and um we can go through it um yeah i mean it's it's too much we we could cover we could cover um, each issue in its own episode, and obviously we're not going to do that. And I don't want to just rehash. Then this happened. Then that happened. Because mm-hmm. number one, it's boring, and number two, so, I want to encourage so, people. So to the listen. first, the first question you have on it. here, because you wrote uh, the curtain, you wrote the agenda, and there was questions on here for that we would each fill out and discuss while we were recording. Mm-hmm. You know, who's your favorite character? Who's your favorite story character? Best death? Things like that. And so the first question you have on here is, why do you like Saga? So. I'll ask you, since you wrote the agenda, why do you like Saga? <laughs> I think I've kind of already covered that. I just I find the story and the characters super compelling. And I'll kind of explain that more, I think, as we go through and we talk about favorite characters and favorite scenes and things like that. But just in, in general, um, 
I care for the protagonists. Even from issue one and issue two, they they introduce us to this these people. I guess they're people, creatures, living things, aliens, <laughs> aliens, humanoids. Yeah, I mean they introduce you to these. I'm just gonna say people for the sake of simplicity. <laughs> um, that you care about and you can relate to certain aspects of their relationship and you can relate to them and or at least I can. Um, having had children and they're a couple and. and don't live in space and i'm not from <laughs> worn torn worlds but they're still i don't know um just uh compelling i guess so it's very well written and i i enjoy the artwork too and there's a variety of characters and things that happen that just kind of put you on your the edge of your seat you want to know more you want to keep understanding the motivations for people or um it's not uncommon to meet a new character and then slowly they'll reveal their back that character's backstory and slowly they'll reveal the new character's motivations and um the story just gets richer and richer and more and more interesting as these these people creatures whatever from disparate parts of the galaxy their tale each of them has their own story but somehow some of those stories are starting to come together in in unique and interesting ways like who cares about this random alien on this random planet? And then all of a sudden you care because their story, they've now crossed paths with one of the other characters that you've been following for issue after issue. So it's it's just this, this tapestry that I find very interesting. How about you? <laughs> uh, so my answer to the question uh, that you asked is why you like Saga. Is the first thing I wrote down in my notes is Marco and Alana's relationship. Um, because this comic, and I think a lot of the best stories are just classic, classic, um, classic archetypes and classic, like this is at its heart is a Shakespearean story mm-hmm. of Romeo and Juliet. Um, it's set in a fantastical location, but, um, so Mar- I, Marco and, and Elena are the primary characters and they're Hazel's parents. And they're actually, even though we mentioned earlier that Hazel's sort of the narrator of the comic, um, the real protagonists, at least for the first four fifty-four issues, are Marco and Elena. And because well, Hazel's a kid, so it's, yeah, they they're from two she's different. Kind of along for they're the from it's it truly is um, Romeo and Juliet and, and Shakespearean esque because they're from different they're from different um, cultures, different different planets. Well, actually, they're. Um, Marco's um, Marco's from the moon Alana's from a planet called Landfall and Marco is from the moon one of the I don't know if it's the only moon or one of the moons of her of her planet his planet's called Wreath and they're and they're at war and they are not supposed to be together they're from different different races Uh, Alana's got um, she comes from a a race that has all wings and Marco's got horns and Marco's um, they're they they can do magic and they're magic based and Alana's um not and so they Mili- mil- Alana's militaristic guns and so they're they're armor you st- the comic starts and like right from um the first issue you're introduced to this couple who just they're just madly in love they're not supposed to be together like this torrid love affair that um has resulted in a child being born and that's the opening splash page is a very graphic like you know this isn't your parents comic book when you open up page one of issue one and it's not your children's comic book alana's <laughs> alana's giving birth uh very graphically and um so you just like you get introduced to this couple and it's immediately apparent how much they love each other and so you can you, you already have something human and that you well i mean they're not human but like you you have emotions that you can grasp onto everybody is you know we've all read romeo and juliet in school and we're mm-hmm. you know we've We've seen them in movies, we've read books, we, we know this story. So we, we already have a, a sort of a place to ground us in the emotions. Yeah. And so because we can ground ourselves in the emotions of what's going on, even though what's going, even though where it's going on um, is craziness and space and all of these things, the, the emotions of the characters are things that we can relate to or understand, even though we might, we might not have experienced them firsthand, but we've seen those stories, those those archetypes in lots of different um lots of different portrayals and so another thing that immediately drew me in is you know I'm, i might be 34 just had my birthday but i'm perpetually in certain ways like a 15 year old i like like 15 sex, a little generous like sexuality like draws me in and <laughs> so there's more like so 12. this this comic has a lot of action and it's and ex, it's expertly written 
but it also has um, sexuality that you don't find, like, I love Superman. You don't find in DC Comics, like, this is, mm-hmm. these are very adult themes, like, you're not going to see, and and you don't actually, it's, it's, with, with it's rare, not explicit for the purposes of being explicit, it's like, they are having sex, and this is what it looks like. Yeah, but they're not afraid to talk, like, afraid oh, to show oh, it, yeah. oh, it could be a tense situation, and Alana might just say, like, man, I just need to blow you to, to, to ease this tension, <laughs> and, um. So it's, it's. It's an adult conversation, it's, and which I like, and it's too. not, and, and I like that, and the action, and it, it it comes down to just the writing, and the art is really, really good too. If you it's want to super those. creative. I mean, the, they're the some of the character designs are things that I would have never in a million years thought of, like humanoid bodies with TVs for heads. Yeah, is, what, is a, a whole like race of people. Well, what's interesting with Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. They're the they're the two co-creators, and that's why Image Comics is where a lot of creators like to have their own original ideas go because they get to, they get to keep that. Like if if uh, Image Comics isn't promoting or treating treating them right, they could take that comic and ship it to some to mm-hmm. ship it off to somebody else who would take that comic. Versus if you create a character for DC Comics, DC Comics owns that character. You're like they might it might have a whole life without you after you've left that yep. uh, character and so the interesting thing about speaking about the art and so when you think about movies like people get top billing like who gets like mm-hmm. um the order of the names is sort of like it signifies the order of importance the order of who got paid more for comics it's sort of the same thing like usually the writer goes gets top top billing and credits and and on the front cover and artist usually second and I was reading on Wikipedia today that somewhere along in like the second, like around issue twenty or something, I can't remember exactly what issue, but um, because so much of the comic is visual and the visuals you're saying are so creative that I don't know if it was a mutual decision or if Brian K. Vaughn just had the executive decision to do this, but Fiona Staples is now top billed on that comic, so That's the cool. so the artist gets top billing. Like she's the first name that shows up on things now, and not Brian K. Vaughn. And I mean, and that's not anything against Brian K. Vaughn. They like it was oh, probably yeah. I just, it was just praise the writing. It was probably like, his decision to say that like how important the art was. Like she designed all of the like everything. He I from my understanding from what I was reading, he didn't give too much description in terms of how things should look. Like she created the world and yeah. the, the world the that we're seeing. And the comic would not be as successful were it not for the art. The art's fantastic. So which is like open mouth insert foot for me. <laughs> After my first initial just like right off of it, I was very wrong. <laughs> so but I can admit that. The next question that you had here is favorite first tier character. The first tier character is, is you know one of the one of the main characters you could say who's a primary character, and so we've already talked about Marco and Alana and, and Hazel are the three, and there's some other 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 characters that kind of you know are are you know a lot of the issues, but for me, I would say my favorite. Well, who, well, who, who, who would you list as first? So, Wikipedia lists the Will, who is a bounty hunter, and he's present from day one, from issue one, and it also lists Prince Robot the Fourth, who I believe okay. is also present from. Okay, I wasn't Comic-Con. sure who all we so, would classify so those, as first year. So, those five are classified as first year. Okay, the Will sort of the, he, yeah, he's a bounty hunter who's at least by Wikipedia. Um, so that's another aspect of the comic we didn't mention is there's um you know there's 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 Boba Fett you know thrown in there that you have you have these bounty hunters who are because these lovers aren't supposed to be together and it'll make things worse for these warring these these uh these warring sides if they find out that two that two that two sides got together and, and even made a baby and so they yeah, have and, and this um, is like a first in history so so they have so they hazel's have, like the first baby of of inner interracial interspecies breeding i guess you could say and and she's kind of a myth not every everybody even believes so or knows I, that she even exists be, be, before you answer who your first year who, who your favorite first year character was i have a question since you've read it so recently because mm-hmm. i for, there's stuff that i just forget because it's been so long ago so the will is hired to track Marco, uh, Marco. Mm-hmm. and um, but I forget like, and and he's just a contract hire by um, just like the 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 Wraith government, right? Like Marco's government, just the contract, like uh, yeah, you know, he's uh, he's a contract. I don't remember who hired her and him. But where does Prince Robot the Fourth like? Why is he hunt? I forget why is he hunting them so early on? He's also been hired. They're getting more than one one hunter. Prince Robot the Fourth is, I believe, from Landfall. To go after Alana, but and so he was—he was just. But he's also royalty. 
it does get a little confusing when I haven't read stuff in so he's long. Ro- he's royalty, but he's he is also like his job is to be a, a, military. a bounty yeah. hunter. Yeah, but but not just for anyone. I believe the Robot Kingdom is in alignment with Landfall, so he works for Landfall. Yeah, he's so from the, the Robot Kingdom. The Robot Kingdom, Kingdom is is. You know, every every planet in the galaxy has taken a side in this war. You're either on the Wreath side or you're on the Landfall side. And the Robot Kingdom is an ally of the Landfall people. So and so he was, is was, going was, after... Was he hired by Landfall to... Yes. Oh, okay, because I could not remember that, but... Oh, okay, so go ahead. So the, so the first tier characters you, you, you listed. So who, so would, who would be your favorite? Marco is my favorite. And I... I oh, but... so it's even more devastating. <laughs> this is a spoiler. This is uh, all spoilers. So... I wasn't um, intending of talking about the very last I issue, am. so I even why had it in the notes. I know, and I was like, why did... Well, because if people want to read it, that's a really... I even wrote a question mark. Like, I'm like, why that's, is... That's a really, really big spoiler of all the spoilers, so I, I don't know. I would hate to spoil that for some reason. Well, I will... So, skip ahead. If you... If, if everything we've talked about sounds interesting to you, then skip ahead a few minutes, um, maybe three or four minutes. Um, so... Can starting, you let me explain? Starting now. Explain what? Marco. Like, why he's my favorite. Or oh, do you just yeah. want to give it to Go ahead. <laughs> so, so Marco's my favorite because he's he's romantic, but he's he's fierce. Like, he he goes by his gut. He's an optimist at, you know, um, about everything. Alana's more pessimistic. And so he's always the one who's like, I truly believe we will be back together. We are meant to be. We will always be together. And, and I... Um, I empathize because I'm very much that way too. Um, there are aspects of Alana that I empathize with because or sympathize with because she's she was in the military, so she's a little bit more militaristic. She can be a little bit more rigid on things. I can be that way too. Um, but just in general, I, I really like Marco's character. He's he um, is more sensitive. He's I think more impacted by some of the emotional side of things, and and um. He's going through some trauma, trying not to be a war hero anymore, and trying not to take the lives of people who, even when people are trying to kill him, he he tries not to kill them instead. Like he just tries to wound them and and run away or whatever. And I I really like applaud his his embrace of pacifism, um, in light of all the war around him. So I just I I like his character a lot. So you so um, why don't you go ahead with the spoiler? Well, I were in that three minute time period that you told people to fast forward. So oh well, I maybe maybe we maybe we don't have to. We can talk about fifty three of the fifty four issues because <laughs> you just want to talk about like the like actually you want to talk you don't want to talk about the last page of the last issue. <laughs> yeah. Which... Um. So I my favorite character. Well, Marco's a good Marco's a um. I mean. One of the probably two obvious choices. I picked the other one um, as the other obvious choice is, is Alana. And it isn't so much... You thought more about, like, what do you see in yourself, like, relating yourself. Well, that's just what makes me like well, him, I guess. That's, yeah, so. that's what made you... Like, when you were, like, when you were posed with a question, like, who's your favorite? And you, Marco came to mind, and and, and, yeah. and Alana came to mind. But it wasn't because I can relate to her. To be fair, or... there are a lot of things about Marco that I don't relate to as well. But I just, I like his personality. I like his choices in life, I guess. Yeah, and, well, so then that's exactly... Well, so then that is exactly why I picked Alana. Like, she's... I think she's the funnest character. She's, um... I mean, she can get sad, as mm-hmm. all the characters can, because it's written as realistic as a as a story about fake aliens can be. Um, but she's she's um, super fun. I think she's the funnest. She's she's I I actually don't relate to her at all in terms of like myself, but she's the character that I have the most fun reading. I guess. And yeah, so. and see, I have a problem with her because I don't agree with some of the decisions that she's made with respect to her daughter and some of the decisions she's made, like with her life. So like, remind me about some because well, there's there's things that you, you like like we keep saying you read this very yeah. recently and there's so, years ago that I like this. So probably... there's a period of time where they decide to try to settle down. You know, they're on the run. People are after them. They've got bounty hunters after them. Lots of them. But they manage to get to a planet where they think they can be safe, and they decide to settle down. Is it at the author's house? No, not there. So, okay. um, it's not a planet. I forgot what it's called. Like but the, like the author with the thing. Alana decides to take a job, and Marco says he'll be like the stay-at-home dad. And the job is is on this like broadcast television TV show. Wasn't she a stripper for a little while? No. I'm like picturing like a issue like oh oh but it, 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 there's a fake out right where they like. She's doing like a like a 
Yeah, there's a fake out. So she's Where on TV. You think she's a stripper. So she beca- she's on TV and she's playing a character. She's in costume, so she's not recognizable. But she grows to hate this like soap opera that she's taking part in. And instead of being honest with her husband and telling him how much she hates her job, she starts doing drugs. And, like, she gets really deep into the drugs, and she's high all the time. I don't remember that at all. She's high as a kite (laughs) all the time. And eventually it leads to, like, her and her husband, like, getting in a fight, and he throws a bag of groceries at her, and shit hits the fan. Their rocket blasts off, and she ends up being separated from Marco. So, like, Marco's, like, stranded on the planet, and her and their daughter, like, go off on their own. And it's, like, years before they get back together. And I blame that on her. So yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's true. I well, I do have so a that, note. That arc really annoyed me. I have me. a note about the time jumps um, that I want to talk about. So I completely. It, and so that's a great point. Like actually, from from what, from what you're describing, that behavior is annoying. But see, I that's part of that's I, like, partially I, the I understand it. Using the drugs isn't isn't necessarily justified in my mind, and I don't fault you for liking her because I do agree there are times where she seems like the more fun parent. Like she can she can liven up the mood. His Marco can be because he's so sensitive. He can. He's optimistic, but sometimes he can also be upset. Well, and she cheers him up. Maybe I'm wrong. Cause and then I, does drugs. I definitely need to do a reread because I vaguely like recall what you're mentioning now, and so um, he also during that whole time frame probably, he made a friend with another woman, and they were like that's probably in the like, 30s, right? Probably issue of the 30s, maybe 20s. Yeah, somewhere it's in the middle. Okay, but, so it's, so he makes this friend of. Um, it's a it's a single mom. It's, a, it's not a single mom. It's a married mom. But they become friends and they start hanging out. Yeah, we just recently bought. You start to question whether or not, like, is he gonna, is he is he gonna cheat? He doesn't. But in our most recent comic order, or in one of the most recent, you bought the um the hardcover the hardcover of the first volume. Oh, oh, it's not just volume one. But I need to, I I need to sit down and reread this comic because yes, you there's do. definitely stuff that I've. I mean, we're recording an episode, and I mean, I remember a lot of it. But this is a story that I've been living for seven years versus two months ago. Like seven weeks. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about your favorite supporting character. Oh, so my favorite. So actually, why don't you list who you think the supporting characters would be? Oh, there's lots. Well, there's of them. yeah, there's it's tons. Pretty much anybody else if they've been in more than an issue or two. So my my favorite is um is Isabel, who is a good choice. But what's funny is like I've like forgotten the details, and she's been dead a while in the comic. But she's Hazel's um babysitter but she's a she's a ghostly apparition yeah and see i've forgotten why they met her or like so many details about it but i remember so i was really up i was not i mean when they're first on the run they are trying they, they meet her in a cave right they, they meet her in like a like a cave in a dark forest and they're trying to figure out they're like on a on a spree to try to figure out where this mythical spaceship is they're trying to find a spaceship yes because their spaceship they have in, almost like a treasure map to find this spaceship cause they're, and because their spaceship is a big giant uh basically tree. a tree yep it's a rocket tree and they they meet um, like all these like scary beasts or whatever, but it turns out it's just this ghost who's like trying to scare them away. Um, the ghost agrees, Isabel agrees to show them to where the rocket ship is, but only if she can bind herself to Hazel's soul and become one with her, basically. Yeah, and she's, and like, she's a, like a kid. She's like a teenage girl. Yeah, she's like a teenage girl, and she's got like this disembodied. Well, disemboweled. she's disemboweled. She's got like, no legs, and yeah, her entrails are hanging out. Yeah, exactly. So, she, but she was just fun. I, just, I mean, I don't know. There's she not, was fun. There's not but a ton to talk about she's her. She's only there at night. And I've forgotten she most of the stuff. <laughs> I've forgotten most of the stuff about her. I just remember she was. She was, fun. She was a character that I really liked. But yeah, she, I liked her too. She's actually probably been dead for in, in terms of the comic, like for quite a while. Because, like I said, we're up to issue fifty-four. She probably died in the twenties, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, no, she died later. Oh, okay. Well, later. I was surprised too when she died. But she's she's been dead a while. So, how about you? Uh, my favorite is Gus or Goose. I don't know how you pronounce it. It's G H U with a little dot on it. S. He is a steel man who um, he he basically raises cattle on the um, I want to say on the the planet of Quietus. I think it's Quietus. It's it's the planet where the author lives, and he has this seal called Frendo. It's this big walrus, and Frendo ends up being. Um, like taken away, and he goes on this quest to find Frendo. But ultimately, they end up um, meeting up with Alana, and he's just a—he's just this tiny little seal man. He's very short, but he's super loyal. He's funny, but in battle, the man is fierce. He will chop anybody's head off with an axe if he needs to. I just—I really like him, and he's cute. <laughs> yeah, he. 
Um, I was th- I think when I when I read it the um, and that's the cool thing about comics is like for these made up names like you just like pronounce things in your head. But I always pronounce them Goose. Um, yeah, I, I pronounce them Goose too. I don't know. It might be Gus, but. So you have on here next like uh, most touching moment. I had best death next, but okay, touching moment. There's oh a- yeah, you do actually. Sorry, go ahead. But I didn't answer best death because I can't remember. Um, and I I didn't know what you meant by or you what what you meant by best death. Um, if like the one that like shocked you the most or like could be any of those things. Well, I can't talk about the most shocking. So, oh, and um, that's also so I also can't answer the most shocking moment. <laughs> um, so. Why don't you talk about what you have written for those? Because I don't have anything until the, the most touching moment. So the time period where Alana was, again, working on this TV show, she meets this character whose name is Yuma, who's kind of like hunched over and she looks kind of like a tree. And she's the one who gives Alana the drugs. She's like your hippy-dippy, like stoned all the time, um, but functional kind of person, very kind of like go with the flow and um they become friends but she's also a lot of supplier anyway this character yuma um ends up selling out alana and marco they they leave in a hurry and she sells them out to one of the people that's coming after her but then she feels guilty and she follows them and long story short she ends up having to sacrifice herself to keep the ship running she like burns and becomes um basically like energy and fuel for the ship for them to continue to escape and i was really touched by that because she was she had redeemed herself after having given her friends away and um you know she sold them out but then she helped them escape so i i thought that that death was um i guess a deserved death or a form of redemption so to speak okay oh i guess i could talk about one that was shocking because it will combine another comment that i had here so there's later on in the comic um the you get introduced to these two journalists mm-hmm. um um what are their names I, I Doff and Upshur yeah Doff and Upshur and so the note that I had is that at first I didn't like these characters it was annoying to me every time that they would cut back and like we would read about these characters we didn't, we didn't understand how they tied in other than they they were journalists trying to uncover big stories well that's basically I mean that is how they tie in though like this is a big yeah. story like two lovers from um, warring, warring uh, sides, like getting together. And they like, managed to make a kid. Like that is. But that they is only news. really ever heard snippets about it, and they they hadn't really found them. But those those characters I didn't really like. Um, and but I grew to. See, I did like them. I grew to didn't to not mind them towards the end, and later, um, fairly recently, I can't, did they both die or just one of them? Just one. Um, Doff, I think. He was. He he's, was. He's a photographer. He was killed fairly recently. Like I was surprised about that. I mean, I mean, I shouldn't be because the comic is not afraid to kill main characters. Oh, lots of people have died in this comic. Well, yeah, but I mean, not tons of main ones. Um, True. Side characters, but they're side character too. But so. well, but I think towards the end they grew to be like not a, a character, but they grew to be B characters instead of just because mm-hmm. um, the character you were just describing, um, who had sacrificed herself, she's probably C at best. Yeah. She but, would have been B in the arc that but, she was but in. But these but characters then. did grow to be a little, little bit more. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that I grew to like those characters, but also when, when um, I'm not, I forget if it's Doff, Doff or Upshur who, who, who dies. He was that, the one I preferred over the two. The so, other one was a little uppity. <laughs> I, I liked them because they were a gay couple and they were trying, they had to hide it because it wasn't acceptable Yeah, in, in the land. And, and so I, I liked that the the comic went there it's 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 funny that you said that well yeah that, that's true this comic they're is like fish people this comic's very inclusive um and of of everything i mean from sexuality to mm-hmm. all type. like there's um there's definitely there's, a sex scene of these guys too yeah sex scene there's oh one of the major controversies about this comic is so one of the characters in that well there's a whole race of characters who their heads are television sets um mm-hmm. And I remember this was back right around the time when I was getting into the comic issue number, and I only remember the actual issue number because I was looking at Wikipedia today. But issue number twelve was banned from Comicsology, all kinds of places, because on the TV screen of one of the of one of those characters, and, and so it had to be clear too, they, the characters don't control what's on their TV screen. It's it's emotion. It's like images that show up that reflect the emotions they're feeling. But um, there was. Um, 
gay sex, or that you could actually see the oral sex that was um, occurring on the television screen, and so it got like dropped by a, a bunch of places that would carry comics. And I, th- I think it with, with all the like, um, and it's uh, like a very small portion of the image because it's like that's what's on his screen, but like his body and like the the rest of the scene is the main image in the comic. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but there was a bunch the of the face of the of the character but there was a bunch of outrage over that comic being uh banned and so it was i I believe comiXology added it back in and i I don't think it's an issue now but that was a that was a decent controversy for the comic back back a a number of years ago because it was on the cover specifically um or was it just a scene in the comic i think it was just worse i think it's just a scene in the comic okay well you don't see like you see like there is a scene of a dragon uh blowing himself and but i don't like Usually when the sex, like, they imply it, like, they'll graphically talk about it. Like, Elena will talk about, um, like, Marco's face being wet after he's gone down on her. But I don't, I mean, and they'll show Marco, um, uh, pleasuring Alana, but it's, like, her legs in the way of his face. Like, you can't actually see what he's doing. Yeah. This was, um, and from what I recall, I, I don't believe it was on, it wasn't on the cover, I don't think. But it was, um, you could actually see penis in mouth. Um, yeah, that's pretty explicit. So you could, so that was a, that was an issue for the comic back then. So did we leave off talking about? Um, so you were kind of talking about both the best death and your most shocking event. Um, yeah, I I trying to read my writing here. Although, so I'm going to talk about um, some something that was that was shocking, but then it had lingering effects. For a while, that was pretty touching and emotional, and um, was so. At one point, Alana gets pregnant again, and she has a miscarriage, mm-hmm. and then that's it was devastating for the characters just in and of itself, and they and they handled it in the comic. But then I can't remember if it was just Marco or Marco and Alana would see, would have like would would, would imagine what their life was like with their son. And so you'd have these scenes um, of Marco imagining, you know, his, his life with his son. And didn't wouldn't Hazel see her her brother? Is that um, yeah, a, 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 again Hazel, enlighten me, like remind there, me? There was like strong strong magic that was happening because the baby was magical. Mm-hmm. And because Marco's races uh, can do can control magic. Yeah, and so like because of the miscarriage, it had made a lot of magical, and that somehow created this like astral projection of what the sun would be like in like eight years or something like that but then they, so she had this like projection of her brother at approximately the same age as her so you had to, was like running around so you had to deal with the uh, miscarriage but then you had this astral projection type thing that was going on and then you had to deal with like, yeah, almost like a ghost of the future then you had to deal with them letting go of that because they i can't remember but Mark, like, they just decided that like the baby just, was still in a while it just wasn't healthy to like, have that um, well the baby had died but it was still in Alana, and so they had to remove the baby, no, but, and with it, the astral projection would have come too, because she would lose her magic ability. That was kind of the okay, okay. So, so that so the baby existed in the time frame from when the miscarriage happened and when they were actually able to like clear it out of her system. But I that was fairly devastating. Like that was like um, probably one of the more somber aspects of the comic. But it's not any one individual. I mean, the the miscarriage is like the incident, but it wasn't yeah. like I think there was like issues, um, because didn't they have to have a whole side trip to go get the um the fetus like yeah pulled, yeah like, they had to find a place that could that could do it. That's why there were so many issues. Like, remember, like, they're on the lamb the whole time. There was so. a there was a, that, that's why there was a number of issues with that had the like astral projection brother right because yeah they had to go on. It was a few days. Yeah, they had to go. They had to go on a quest. Yeah, because I remember it being multiple issues, mm-hmm. and then when they had to let go of that, that was that was super sad. Yeah, I agree. That's that's a good one. Um, one of them. I have a few different ones written on here. I won't go through all of them, but. Early on, within the first arc or two, um, we meet Marco's parents, and they end up living on the ship with them for a little while, and um, Marco's dad ends up having to essentially, like, sacrifice himself in a way to, to help save, you know, he's, he's got a bad heart, and he has to, he has to do some things to, that expend too much magic and too much energy, and so he knows the end result is going to be that he dies. 
Yeah, I, that that scene is really touching when you know Marco then finds his his dead father, and he doesn't he didn't know that his father was sick to begin mm-hmm. with, and that you know expending that energy would kill him, and you know that was just really sad to see Good, a that, grown up um, having to live through their yeah, their parents passing. That's a good. That's a really good example too. Like, there's just a million character moments and like storylines that like we're not even touching upon. Um, yeah. Because it, it, it's just. And a I really have good like comic. three other things written here that I'm not even gonna cover. It's just such a fucking good comic. So I don't have much more to talk about other than I. I, I you have about, a best villain. Um. Yeah. I wrote early, like maybe the first half of the issues that have been released of the will. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like the will went like so the bounty hunter the will yeah. and then then he lost his then will, then he so went away for a yeah. while right like I feel like there was like a he long chunk fat. of the comic he got fat and but he, he got, was he was just he absent some, from like, the mental disability he was just absent from the comic for a while wasn't he too well they would show him snippets here and there but, but he wasn't doing anything interesting but I like the will he, he stopped being a, a bounty hunter he he couldn't find his bounty and so they fired him from his job and then he just got fat and lonely. But I liked the Will for a while, but then not. Like, he just recently died, and I could care less about that character. I mean, well, that's not true. I don't... He has history in the comics, so I'm still invested a little bit, but he... I wasn't... His character kind of got pathetic at the end, so I wasn't crazy about crazy about the Will, so... He actually redeemed himself towards the end, I think. Because he, he ended up becoming, like, a bounty hunter again, and... Well, we can't talk about it at the very end, because I don't... He didn't redeem himself at all. He's, like... Well, I mean, I guess he, he managed to... He was an esteemed bounty hunter. Then he ended up eventually becoming, like, kidnapped and becoming a oh, slave. You don't mean redeemed he, in terms yeah. of becoming a, um, no, he's a good still guy. A, he's still he's... a bad guy. Absolutely. No, but he, he at least gets back to his... He had a rise and fall, and then he rose again. Um, Even though, but in in a bad negative way. So what about you for favorite villain? Um, so I really like Lion Cat. I mean, he's more of a sidekick than a villain. Yeah, he's 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 the Will's, he's the Will's cat. The Will's cat. But then he ends up leaving the Will and and going off with the Will's um like adopted daughter. I guess you could speak say. But I like Lion Cat's fun because he he's basically this like hairless cat who um can he can talk but really all he ever says is lying so like if you're telling a lie and he's present he will just call you out on it and yes. he's always very snarky and sarcastic about it so like yeah he you, is. Could, you could just say something like no i didn't eat all of the cake and he's lying you know like <laughs> no you can't even tell a white lie it's, it's fun um but prince robot the fourth is my favorite villain and he just has has a really cool arc from start to finish, and so much happens to him, and you hate him, and then you like him, we'll see. and then you don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, that's and, true, that, and that's exactly why I didn't even put him on this list. Or and, I and didn't you're like, him. is he a villain? Is he not a villain? That's, yeah, that's why know, I didn't that's... put him on my. That's why he's not on my list because I don't even know if I consider him a villain because like he's he is for about the first twenty up twenty issues. But he's hunting so. them, but then he turns out then at the end like it, it, it goes all over the place like not. Because he's switching alliances, just because. Well, he sort of is, but he just like evolves in his yeah. motivations, as all the characters do. Like people's mm-hmm. motive, like as as human beings yeah, do. Yeah, he, he he grows to to befriend the people that he's supposed to be killing. Which is another like just testament Which, to the. To me, makes him a best villain because he ends up not being a villain in the end, or at least so far. We're true. halfway through. If for those of you who are reading the comic or don't know, they've said it's going to be 108 issues. That's true. And so this is the halfway point at 54. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about is just the, the time jumps, the time jumps in the comic. There's a few of them and they'll usually like end like a six issue, um, uh, six issue arc will end on a big dramatic moment. Like, yeah. um, and then you'll pick up and there'll be a few time jumps. Cause like when the story starts, um, uh, Hazel just being born, but mm-hmm. at the end of issue 54, she's probably four or five. She's like eight. Okay, so she's even older. So there's yeah. been because she's in she's been in school. And usually the usually the uh, the for the like the first two or three um, arcs. So which which would be like the first eighteen issues or so. Mm-hmm. It was basically real time or like you know. Yeah. And then and then um so so there's been like time jumps and they always throw me off. Like I don't I don't I don't want to say I dislike them, but it, I I always have to reorient myself in terms of like. Especially because there's long gaps between the arcs yeah. that, you know, it'll be maybe a year um, if they take six months off and then I wait for six issues to build up and then yeah. I'll read those six issues. So it, so it might be a year between, and I'm like... I really think you need to just reread so it all I have, before the next issues start coming out. So I have out. to, um, and so the time jumps throw me off even more because 
it'll, I'll, I'll be like, I don't remember Hazel being like this old or whatever. Yeah, and, and you so, have to like look back to the previous comic. Like, I'm just like, not oh. like the, the the time just like they um they they just throw me off because like they're the the the, the comics themselves like there's any any um there's not really time jumps in in individual arcs themselves it's only usually between them and so then when you come back i, I read it all so back to back that i didn't internalize where the arcs yeah, were true. so to me like the time jumps were more digestible yeah that's true because i even have so like, I, I didn't realize that the time jumps weren't happening between you know within an arc but like, that makes sense like i really read way. this like i really i mean i read it as it came out and i'm, I'm yeah. reading it six issues at a time because when they were so when the comics published once a month i always let those six issues build but then they take a lot of time off so then it's like if you factor in the time like the time they took off plus waiting for that whole arc to finish yeah it's, it's, about, a, a year. it's about a year before so mm-hmm. i'm like reading it it's like basically like a book coming out like a book a year yeah um and i just read them all so like, so that i wasn't like I, the, the, the time jumps always throw me off and i i'm i'm I get used to them. I wouldn't be surprised if we have another time jump too after this. Oh, I bet. Time. I bet you're right um, on that. And so moving forward, so we so so we won't spoil. I so if you did skip on those minutes earlier, we actually didn't spoil. Anything. We didn't spoil. Is is do you have any predictions for where this is going? I can't talk about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I um, I honestly don't have any predictions for what's going to happen anyway. Like I I this comic has gone so well, many different places. I do. I, I mean, well, I guess I can say this. I think that. Um, Hazel, it, I'll say this, uh, it's been basically Marco and Alana's story so far, and yeah. Hazel will narrate things, she'll say, like, she'll, 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 say, she'll say comments from the future that are like, my parents were doing this when, yeah. when this was happening, and, or whatever, and, and has, then, and then you'll see that, yeah. whatever they're and doing. And she said multiple times, like, my parents, because of my parents, I've been able to live along. But, a long, healthy life, or whatever, and she alludes to the fact that she's telling us this story while she's in old age. But I bet there will. Be, oh, I didn't take it as old age. Oh, I she took said it as that. like I long, took it as long, old enough, long, happy life. Like to me, oh, she's I don't remember old. her saying. I, I don't. I took it as old enough. The only takeaway that I was like certain about was that she was old enough to be able to talk like an adult, like to. So mm-hmm. I could, like, she could be narrating from age 18 or age 80. I think there's a, I, I have to go back and look, but I, I think she actually says, like, she she lives but, to be old or whatever. But I, I guess if I have a prediction, it's that she's going to take center stage in the story. Like, I bet there's a the biggest time jump yet. I yeah. bet, so I, I bet we'll come back and That's she's. That's a good prediction. I hadn't thought I bet we'll that. come back and she's, like, 20 or, like, you know, late, late teenager. Um, well, yeah, I wouldn't cool. be surprised actually if the comic comes back and the first six issues deal with the immediate aftermath of mm-hmm. what just happened events, and yeah. then the next six issues after that have i predict they will have a huge time jump and hazel will become the primary antagonist of the comic yeah i um, think i think that's a legitimate prediction but so. so the last um i only have a couple more um notes that i wanted to just get out there is that um, Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples have said that they don't want this to be adapted to any other medium. So, um, you know, you never know if, you know, Netflix backs the money truck up to them. But <laughs> they said that they don't want this adapted into movies or television. This is a comic book. It, it exists in the comic book medium. And that's where they, the only place that they want it to, to be. And that um, another cool aspect of it is that um, now I don't even usually read the letters pages, but... All letters, like, you can't, like, in today's day and age, if you want to um, email a creator, mm-hmm. or, or if you want to send a letter in, you email it in. Like, yeah. I had a letter, I had a letter printed in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, number 12, the most recent volume. So, Which but is pretty cool. This was still a while ago, this was probably, like, 2013, I had a letter, but I just emailed in. Uh, but for Saga, it's only, you can only, there's only a P.O. box, I believe, and you can only mail actual physical letters in. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of old school because, like, for years, for decades, um, letters columns were a thing in the back of comics, and they've kind of gone away recently. Yeah. Some some titles do have letters columns. So what do you? Look what at do the you... last panel or the la- the bottom panel. Oh oh yeah. So here's a narration. But thanks to my parents, at least I get to grow old. But old, a... old is relative. But I exactly still think, to like... a kid, like to our to our son, if he was to say, "When I get old," he could be like talking about when he's twenty. True. So, so you and I read it differently, which is very interesting. Also, so that's so. Um, what was I saying? That oh, of all letters, um, 
And so, um, yeah, so another cool kind of, well, not, well, interesting fact is you can only write old school letters to, so, I if, like you, that. so if you want to get printed in the back of Saga, you're getting out the pen and paper and mailing it out with a stamp. Very cool. So, that's all I have. Yeah. The, the only other thing I had is, are there any characters that you wish there would be more of in the future? And you talked about Hazel, so maybe that's, that's who you'd like to see more of. Oh, no, you, you said characters you wish you had more of, either because they are dead or just not part of the story. So Hazel is part of the story. I put Isabel. Yeah. That's a good one. I would like to see more of Sophie. She was a sex worker who was rescued by the Will. And um, they part ways, and, and she's kind of actually growing up to become a bounty hunter herself. So, yeah, that's right. Um, she, is, she probably wasn't in the last 20 or so issues, but I found her character to be pretty interesting. And she's So she's growing up. Um, she's older than Hazel, but she's growing up kind of in parallel with maybe six years older or so mm-hmm. so it, it'll be interesting to see if if they bring her back and if their paths cross in the future so i'm predicting they probably will but who knows when all right well the next next episode is going to be all about talking some teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah, so turtles. yeah we've teenage been mutant like i said turtles, we've been looking forward mutant we've been looking forward to talking turtles for a while like i think we mentioned last time we almost thought about starting a turtles. Well, we thought about it. We just a turtles didn't comic. get around to it. Yeah. Well, and then it, it morphed into this, and we'll turtles turtles centric podcast. Yeah, it, yeah, turtles centric podcast. But it morphed into this, where we'll talk about other things. But um, it'll probably be like rotating topic for a while, two or three episodes back to turtles, rotating comic. So yeah. Um. So we will see you next time talking turtles.